This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Namai, haere mai, kia ora Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. Bruce Scott, Mel Driscoll and the rest of the crew this afternoon between now and 2 o'clock. Hello folks out there, all our listeners all around the world. Welcome to the world if you're listening somewhere around the world and it's after midnight. Welcome to it online, Free FM 89.0 and listen to the podcast from next week. It is November 20, 2022. It is day 334, 41 days to go. Well, this day in 1947, 75 years ago, the Princess Elizabeth marries her second cousin removed, Philip Mountbatten, in Westminster Abbey. The pair met at Royal College Dartmouth, where she was 17, he was 18, July of 1939. Elizabeth wore, on her wedding day, a dress uh, designed by Norman Hartnell. On the eve of the wedding, Philip created Duke of Edinburgh. The couple married until Philip's death in 2021 and the Queen's death earlier this year. From our archives, Cliffy Stone, 1947. Near you.
FM 89.0, independent community media. This is Cosmopolitan News and Views. Cliffy Stone, near you from 1947. Well, time to look at the famous birthdays. This day, 1942, 79 years ago today. Where were you to our older listeners? Well, singer-songwriter Norman Greenbaum was born in Malden, Massachusetts. Famous for one song, Spirit in the Sky. Gold record selling 2 million copies between 1969 and 1970. 15 weeks on US Billboard and 1 UK, 3 weeks. Number uh, 333 of Rolling Stone's greatest songs. It sounds as fresh as it was when recorded, recalls Greenbaum, who was 79 today. So let's remember that particular song at Free FM 89.0. And we are not getting anything out of that uh, machine there. So just hold the fort at the moment and we'll get into Norman Greenbaum singing about spirit in the sky so I think we have got it now Thank you. 
kind of song to bounce around all afternoon. Uh, Norman Greenbaum, I thought he was dead, but no, he's very much alive. He's 79 today, and uh, one hit wonder, of course, and the wonderful spirit in the sky. So it's been done by a whole heap of other artists. It was even done by the Kumars, remember, on their television show. On a Sunday afternoon, I hope, uh, you, hope you're joining in with us and um, we'll um, get moving along shortly. Hopefully Mel will be here very shortly to be part of your afternoon. That's a miserable old day. I can recall going through Hamilton East uh, this week and it was wet, wet, wet. And streets were flooded in parts of Hamilton um, East, uh, Hillcrest area. Um, the drains weren't working, lawns were flooded. We've had a whole heap of rain in the last uh, couple of days. So hopefully tomorrow as um, we get through the early stages of summer and Christmas not far away, we'll all be happy. And you can go to the beach. of 1955. Number one around the world, the Yellow Rose of Texas. This is Mitch Miller. The Yellow Rose in Texas that I am gonna see. Nobody else could miss her not half as much as me. She cried so when I left her. It like them broke my heart. And if I ever find her, we never move apart. She's the sweetest little rosebud that Texas ever knew.
FM 89.0, independent community media, Mitch Miller in the yellow rose of Texas. Good afternoon, Mel Driscoll, and good afternoon to Stephen King. Yes, uh, Stephen King is where drugs addiction, alcohol addiction, it, it comes into the picture. It accompanies society, regardless of the rules, wherever alcohol or other addictive substances are available. And it is. Yeah, well, we are the nation of uh, rugby racing and beer, after all. Um, uh, please don't get me wrong. Um, alcohol's um, part of our society. It's a great social lubricant. Um, it's been with us a long time, uh, but in moderation, and that's that's the key. That's the key to that particular. Uh, and it is, and it is, a, it is a drug in its own right. Yeah, sadly, Stephen, we're not seeing moderation. You just have to be in town on Friday and Saturday nights. It's drugs, rock and roll, alcohol, all three, and much, much more. And this is when you get a guy come up, come into your face, full of alcohol or drugs, and you're having having to tell them, to, you know, the f word, tell them to go away. I I don't want to be part of it. No, well, well, we're kind, of, we're kind of. That's where we are. Mm. That's that's the truth of it. Um, uh, you know, this it's a discussion that the country, I believe, is yet is yet to have. It's a difficult discussion, um, but we we are faced with it. Just like your just like your ram raids and just like the responses we've seen. On your response, you founded an organisation, Alcohol and Drug Community Support Trust, and these days. You're able to be engaged or people are directed to you for help with their addictions as in your capacity as Director of Alcohol and Drug Addiction Residential Services in Waikato. Mm. And that's provided through Te Whataura. Yes, we're a, we're a small NGO and, uh, and I'll just take, uh, take it straight up from there. Um, there's a process that uh, people undergo when they think they may have a problem and to get to get the extent of it, it's called an alcohol and drug assessment, and out of that assessment process um, uh, comes the uh, subsequent issues associated with um, excessive use of alcohol and other substances, and and some recommendations and pathways. You know, you don't can't force change um, uh, with people. Um, that's not might been my experience of it, and I'm from the client group originally. You have to facilitate their process of coming to make that decision. Now, residential. Residential, we're a small NGO, currently a halfway house, looking to um, uh, grow into a full re rehabilitation centre here in the Waikato for the people of the Greater Waikato. It's, over, it's overdue, and as Bruce points out, um, the problems have escalated uh, a lot. Yeah. I, I know one good point. This In the last month, one Hamilton bottle store has been refused a renewal of their licence, which is a good start. There are just too many bottle stores in the city. Yeah, look, I, 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 I agree with you, and there are some changes underway um, to um, review and make that process uh, tighter. Uh, I'm not sure of the ins and outs of it. That's my understanding of it. It's not my area of, of work. What I know, Bruce, is that people who have a problem... Uh, and need to stop. If they've got a diagnosis of dependency, the goal is for them to stop. Now, that's, that's scary stuff for somebody who enjoys a drink. In order to stop, um, what we've found works and what doesn't work, what works is taking some time out in a residential setting 
to look at all the issues that underlie the excessive use yeah. of alcohol and other substances. I can tell you now that I stopped drinking earlier in the year. I have had a drink since. I'm drinking soda water at the moment, which my doctor says, hey, good on you, keep it up. And um, because uh, she assessed me that um, I was having a few issues hmm. and um, I just stopped. I went cold turkey. Yes. Did you grow a third eye or, or <laughs> no, lose, lose no, your mind? No, no I'm, I'm sleeping better. That's I'm not going home drunk. Yes. I'm, I'm sleeping better now and the soda water kind of cleans the liver out and um, it kinds of lets the liver regenerate. People forget that the liver can regenerate, but just keep off the booze and the other. Well, well to a certain extent, I, I have to tell you that I had a client recently who passed away and it was the first uh, client in 22 years in our service. And, uh, the liver is very forgiving. Uh, two, it gets to a place where it's no longer forgiving. This fellow actually died of a heart attack, long history of uh, alcohol abuse. Uh, he he was probably going to uh, pass away in the near future mm. anyway, but it was very, very sad. I mean, the government doesn't fund my service because they think it's a great thing to have. This this unwellness, as I like to call it, kills people. Are you also going to move into stop young people vaping? Because it's that's another epidemic we've got at the moment, the alcohol, the drugs and the, um, the vaping. Yeah. I'd come back again and say um, uh, the, the human experience is one and my experience of humanity is people only change when they choose to change and you have to, um, uh, that is a longer process. You, outlawing substance, the war on drugs is lost, just like the war on nicotine or vaping yeah. or any substance uh, use. Uh, but uh, people, uh, people, if you uh, work with them and go to where they're at, you can bring about a consideration of change. Notice the very politically correct wording there. It's um, a big demand that you face, and we're coming to that time of year when it's particularly difficult. Yeah, silly season, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you remember those times? Uh, not uh, every, every day was a silly season for me, uh, to be honest with you, Mel. So, um, but the, it is certainly a party time, and it's... Um, it's a time for people in early recovery that um, uh, they take care of. Um, and in saying that, um, how they do that, and it's something, it's some new research out of Great Britain, uh, uh, people stop using and stay stopped when they group join a group of other people doing the same thing. Um, you don't do this in isolation. So, so then you've got them that are still partying and you've got them that have made a decision that they want the love and trust of their families. They want, they want their kids back. They want access to their kids. They want their kids back. They, they're t over and tired of being chased around by the police and what have you. And that's the time that people will then embark on that change. And I, and I do suppose the police are sick and tired of uh, picking up the unusual suspects from the from the streeties to like go to these properties or oh, not him or her again well it's a repetitive cycle and you know I, I just wanted to steer a little bit clear of politics um, I'm in support of national parties um, new yep. policy yep. I'm sorry we're talking about the particularly hard 15 to 17 year olds that that actually need to come and I was thinking about this on the way here need time out from the community now 
now why would you do that? Because there's two views. Actually, the answer lies with whānau and family in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. But if the family in total are all um, uh, criminal activity, intergenerational, um, you don't have a choice. So they're talking about, well, um, uh, just like we do with the adult clients, taking some time out from the community to look at what change is needed and to help them. You know, you may have seen the new ads on TV yes. for corrections. What do you do? Uh, I work with oh. people. You've seen it? You've seen that, Bruce? I've, I've I seen them. I, I, stressed out. I, I'm I tired. Say, <laughs> and what do you do? Oh, I'm a banker. Look, it's a reality. That is the reality that we live in. Hey, those ads are so woke. I just fl- I just flick on to the next channel. Do you? <laughs> yeah, that's, I do. Well, that's interesting because that's not my experience. My experience of it is extremely moving, and yeah. it's just we yeah. wish we had the people yeah. to employ and to employ in the prisons, the nurses. Don't get me started, Bruce. Don't get me started. <laughs> hey, you, you've been on a you've been on a long journey with your your addictions, and mm. and how are how is your body? I'm lucky. I've just been to a 40-year reunion in Auckland yesterday of Narcotics Anonymous, which is the drug equivalent of Alcoholics Anonymous, and seeing uh, people there that I've been on this journey uh, through. There's a percentage of us that actually do get it. We join that new group of people that don't want to carry on like that. It's a beautiful beautiful thing. Yeah, of course. Um, We must uh, look at the drug court under Judge Stephanie Clark. How's how's the reports coming out of the drug court? Because uh, I'm not there anymore, so... Oh, right. Okay. Well, I I don't know. I've just got a brief. I don't keep tabs on that because it's not my particular area of work. Um, It's hard work. Uh, Not only are we short of uh, nurses, probation officers, corrections, um, uh, staff, we're short of police. We're, we're short of people across the whole of our statutory organisation, and that includes the court system. Mm. So that is an yeah. additional struggle for yeah. the drug court. Yeah, I, I went past there this week. The court staff were working to rule, so they were sitting outside. Then they moved inside when it started to rain again. So uh, yeah. I, I think they should be well paid, our court staff. It's long hours, judges who... If they don't like something, they, they let, let, let the court staff know. That, that is the added pressure on, on these court staff. They should be well paid for what they oh, do. I'm suddenly thinking about school teachers, and they should be paid more too. Everybody can't, they just can't keep up with the, the inflation, and I'm afraid if we can't keep up the inflation, it's horrific. Well, you would know, Bruce. Yep. You, you head into the supermarket and you come out, and what have you got for your money? Not much. Yeah, well, as a 65-year-old pensioner now, money doesn't go... go Far, far these days when you've got to pay uh, pay for the groceries. But another thing is, will your organisation kind of have teen counselling sessions with teen addicts coming up? Our, our service is what it was effectively known as a halfway house. Yes. We've got nine funded beds uh, with uh, the now Te Whatuora. Um, uh, resident, uh, there's a review underway within Te Whatuora around the needs of because the, the problems grow and yeah. so is the population. Uh, we currently send people out of town, away from their family. Now, if the family, the answer lies within the family in a lot of cases. But before you heard me, when there's a dysfunctional family and the whole family's using, then it's not helpful. But we currently send our people out of town yeah. for rehab. That's that's not good enough. Yep. And we now have a facility, two added properties uh, joining. Thank you to the Gallagher family, uh, uh, Trust Waikato, DV Bryant. Tr- oh, look, 
people know that we are working to help people. We want to develop a full residential program in Manning yeah. Street. We, hmm. And, of course, the executive judge, Judge Colin, keeps an eye on this too. Yes, of course, yeah, well, you know, um, I'm just reminded of Henry Bennett, really. You know, if you look closely, you'll find our hospitals have lots of people with medical, biopsychosocial problems, but what's behind it is excessive alcohol and drugs. And Henry Bennett, I've got to say, look, I'm right out there today. Henry Bennett is full of drug users. Yep. And of course, the build they going to they going to rebuild the Henry Bennett Centre. Yes. When does that begin? Or when? Oh, does... I think that that's scheduled and good on them too. I think that's sixty four new beds, um, uh, twenty twenty four twenty five, but far out really. And there's uh, and there's also a hundred mental health beds uh, being built out at Waikaria yeah. Prison. It's it it, it is a, it is a tough, and of course, you you read the headlines and. You get a certain mongrel mob leader. He denied being a drug addict and selling methamphetamine, but he was he was caught out. Um, yes, and 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 a whole bunch of them in a prison. The other day, one hundred and sixty nine kilos of cocaine. Now, let's be under no illusions about what cocaine. Is. It's just it's it's just the rich man's uh, methamphetamine. It's a stimulant drug, um, and it's all very well, and it's coming into this country like there's no tomorrow. Well, well, we we saw the story last night. Two baggage handlers at Auckland Airport brought all this methamphetamine into the country, $800,000 worth. Yeah, so how long are we going to keep pretending it's not happening? Because the police are beside themselves. Mm-hmm. Not enough police? Not, not enough police. So, so we don't want to go right down the other end and become a militaristic state <laughs> of trying to, you know, Singapore policing it. If you put a cigarette butt out in the street, you could end up um, locked up for indefinitely. Mm. It, that, it's the middle of the road of assessing people who have reached a place of readiness for change and then engaging them in that process. So it's the middle of the road we want to go down. And, and of course, the last time we talked to you, you were planning to retire, but I think his retirement on the back burner now, Stephen? Well, well, I've got to replace myself and uh, whoever that is. And there's not a big queue of people waiting for my job, unfortunately. Um, I'm coming 69 years of age. Uh, yeah, well, what, you know, it's I'm faced with yeah. that thing that all people are faced with, well, I guess. I'm I'm 65, and people tell me you're not 65. No, I didn't think you were either. <laughs> See, I got the yellow card, eh? Yes, yeah, so I've got to. Oh. Hey, but seriously, folks, the message has got to get through somehow that drugs, alcohol, vaping, and all the other things you put in your body aren't good for you. Well, you know, we have. Um, you don't have to go far to get access to that information. But once I, once again, you know. I've got to tell you, uh, one of my hobbies is talking to people in cafes, particularly older men. And and there's a, there is a theme, and the general disappointment of the older men that I speak to is the, a disappointment in how far humanity has come, or should I say hasn't come, that we haven't learnt some uh, lessons you think we would have, even though we've got access to a worldwide web and all the information about you know, your vaping and everything else that doesn't necessarily uh, impact on the human experience of making wise decisions. Okay, give us a phone number. How do people contact your organisation? I'm not hard to find if you look for me. I'm the go-to guy in the central North Island as per... uh, You've read my books, eh, Bruce? Stephen King. Oh, my namesake, I can be found, and I'm happy for people to call me. I take those calls every day of the week, uh, 0274... 
733 And if you have a family member who is struggling with um, uh, drug addiction, uh, call me and I walk alongside you and direct you in the right place to get the right help. And you've got some very helpful men and women in your organisation that will try and sort yourself out. No, it's me. It's you. Yes, I have some. I have some two other workers and several student placements. But no, it's me. Trouble is, you're it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I, I look. I'm. I'm 30 years clean and sober myself, and I've never forgotten the experience of going into drug rehab, residential, and going there thinking I had a drug and alcohol problem, and they were going to ma- wave a wand, and I was going to be cured of that. Only to find, and this is the really interesting thing, what I found there was a life and who I needed to become and who I was and how how to function in a constructed way in society. I have to tell you, I got a speeding ticket yesterday. Oh, how clever. I I obey the rules of the law. Yes, officer. Yes, I have offended and I will be paying that ticket as soon as it arrives in the mail. And I tell you that because that is what recovery from substance, it's about becoming a responsible, productive member of society and obeying the rules and and going with that. And that's what I discovered when I went to rehab. I discovered that there is this person in here and all I needed to do was take a new world view of how to be that person in our community. Complete transparency. Complete transparency, self-honesty, checking out with self before I open my big gob what's going to come out. Is it honest? Is it correct? Is it true? That's one of the things. Reflecting, knowing where I end and you begin. And, and I, I got all this when I went to drug alcohol rehab, how to, how to be a, a, a person. I missed something in my vocation prior to that. You could have been a journalist. I could have been a journalist. I don't think so because I suffer from dyslexia, which is probably one of the historical well, issues. In, in, in your family, early family life, was, was your father a drinker too? Yes, my father enjoyed a drink. Mm-hmm. Was he a heavy drinker? I think in those days, um, I don't know, heavy drinker, well, I, I don't know where that is in the diagnosis. It, it didn't cause him a problem. And back to the alcohol and drug assessment, we don't assess people as having a problem by the amount solely that they drink yeah. or the drugs that they use. But we do um, determine in that assessment process that whether they've got a problem. Are they employed? Are they, is, how's the marriage going? How's the thing? How's your health, mental and physical health going? And those are the measurement tools as to whether there's a problem or not. If you don't have any medical life, employment, relationship problems, yep. then you don't have a problem. Yeah. And of course, do you send some of these people, do you give these people that come to you a full medical go over just, just to see where, where everything is going? Do you get a doctor call in and say, we're going to... All that, all that work is done in the community organisations yep. before they get to us. So that, there's no walk-in service with us. It's a planned process. It's a house of abstinence from drugs and alcohol. I do have to tell you, though, there's a lot of prescribing of medications these days, which is concerning. There's a place for medication. Absolutely there is. Um, uh, but the addictive personality will also abuse those yep. substances as well, given the opportunity. Yep. Well, it, it's it's no secret that I'm taking medication for um, high blood pressure, and I had to get a new um, medication in the last couple of weeks because the the one I had before was uh, causes cancer. So I had my medication changed, and I'm feeling good. So that's the main thing. Good. You uh, mentioned yesterday the 40th anniversary of the formation of Alcoholics Anonymous. Narcotics Anonymous in New Zealand. Narcotics Anonymous. And in both those organisations, 
it seems the starting point is that those who have suffered those addictions are the best they know how to meet the needs of others. Well, it's it's a, given that you've got the time for it, it's it's um, what used to be referred to as joining a group of chimpanzees. So if you join other people that are doing the same thing, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using. And and in NA, uh, people who have stopped using, and some of them haven't, um, there is no great rules and what have you. But if you want to belong to the group, then then you have to stop you, using. And you go obey the rules. Have you ever expelled anybody from your group? Because um, you can see they're high on something. Do you expel? Uh, Expe- expel. You mean? Yeah, expe- w- w- the, I'll just change that word to discharge. Discharge from the group. Yeah. Well, discharge. You mean in um, in recovery in our yep. in our centre? Yep. You mean? Yeah. Yep. Sometimes uh, people need to go back and and come back around. Most often, it's a stand down process. We had uh, one um, the other week. Uh, you know, decided that the alcohol and the sanitizer was a good idea. Um, we're more focused on uh, supporting people to become honest with who, what they're doing um, on the basis that they're only going to stop when they choose to. The thought of taking hand sanitizer just just, <laughs> just puts me up. I'm looking forward to a coffee later in the day. Well, it's, well, it's a form, you know, any of these subs, it's more a form of escape from reality um, and the presence. Because you're not in the present if you're using substances, yeah. but you're, you've escaped. So yeah. it's a, so it's an escape, but it's a spiral as well. So, um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's a beautiful thing when people take that responsibility for their life and get clean and sober. And, and, ho- and they, oh, Stephen, hopefully someone else will come to the party that uh, you're not the ambulance at the bottom of the hill for... for well, the- I'm glad you said that because currently in this country, residential rehab is considered a bottom of the cliff thing. What we want to do is build the residential rehab yep. at the top of the cliff. Yeah. I I know with some of the judges in town that it was a struggle to get people into drug rehab. Um, Odyssey House was one. They judges tried and tried and tried to get some people into Odyssey House, but yeah, yeah. well, I haven't done the current review that's underway with the Tafatora, uh, formerly known as District Health Board, will actually address some of uh, those issues. Oh well, we'll hey Stephen, we'll wait and see. Just keep us up to date uh, through Mel and. Emails just to see how things are going, and uh, that the not before long we'll, we will have some more facilities here in um, in Kirikiriroa, Hamilton. Oh yes, I'm I, absolutely. We we we've got got to do it. Can't join that list of other things that have not been done because it'll come back to get us in the long run. Stephen King, director of Alcohol and Drug Addiction Residential Services in Waikato, and that's in conjunction with Te Fatuora which succeeds the Waikato District Health Board. Just just a PS, Stephen, have you got a warning for people out there with Christmas festivities coming on? Just uh, well, you may have, people may have seen it on the side of the road. I certainly did the other day. Plan. Plan ahead for your party. Plan ahead because al- alcohol in particular, one of the aspects of alcohol as a drug is you may make a good choice and decision when you're sober before you start to party. Plan your party. Plan how you're going to get home. And for God's sake, don't drive. Yeah, well, that message doesn't get through a few times, and I, I've I've noticed rich men to poor men have been 
caught drink driving. So it has no boundaries, age, demographic. Stephen, I hope we, if we see you before uh, Christmas, New Year, have a great one, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back here just to give another warning out to some of those people out there listening, and um, they can listen to this podcast tomorrow and uh, listen to you again speak. Sure, thanks. It's a pleasure. At Free FM, eighty nine point zero. This is Sir Rod Stewart and Stevie Wonder and What a Wonderful World. Independent community media, that is Sir Rod Stewart, and that is Stevie Wonder on the harmonica and Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World, our next guest, Mel. Remember an almost folk ethic show introducing ordinary New Zealanders to microphones in the comfort of their own town hall, in places we'd never visited, confronting questions that, with a little luck, led to an agonising dilemma. What will it be, my friend? The money or the bag? And then Selwyn Too Good would turn to the audience, wait till all sound subsided, before posing another question. What should he do, people? The show, it's in the bag. First on radio and later on television, exposed how closely Kiwis cared about a place to gather as a community. And Hamilton needed an ample space for a big audience to patronise such occasions. It's an ambitious project for the fledgling city to take on, but with a will, Hamilton set about raising funds for the Founders Theatre. One way or another, it got off the ground, and on a significant day, November the 11th, 1962, it was grandly opened, patrons flocking in and circulating a book where, 
Wishing to leave a memory of the occasion, citizens might note they're there. Now, here arises the question, who did attend? As Selwyn Toogood would say often in his broadcasts across the nation, when people wondered what the answer was to his latest question, it's in the book. Where's the book? Margaret Evans, former mayor of Hamilton City, might have an answer. Hi. Hi, Margaret. Hello there. I don't have an answer, but I can talk about it. We might find one. (laughs) It's out there somewhere. It's probably on those dusty shelves of the library. Oh, I love it. Look, I first heard about this, uh, the Blue Book, I think it was called, um, with a lovely article in the Waikato Times by uh, Denise Irvine earlier this year. And she um, um, said that the... And I'm going to read from the article, if I may. She said, Founders began with so much community goodwill and the Hamilton women and men who dug in their pockets 60 years ago to fund it were delighted with what they achieved. The donors were recorded for posterity in a flash blue book entitled Founders of Hamilton, Memorial Volume of Subscribers 1962. The sums given were politely not noted. This is Denise speaking. I was shown the book 10 years ago when I wrote a Waikato Times feature to mark Founders' 50th anniversary. There are hundreds of names listed, many of them with descendants still in the city. Among them were her parents-in-law. Now, I haven't chatted to uh, Mark Quinter and the team at the Heritage section of the library, and I'm wondering whether the Blue Book might be there. But that's the best I can do today. Nothing in council archives, is there? Well, council archives are held in the Heritage section. Yeah, I've, I've seen all the um, all the notes from all the um, cemeteries around uh, Hamilton and Waikato, so it must be in there <laughs> somewhere. Well, we have to ask Denise where she saw it. Maybe that might be a start point as well. But it's interesting, isn't it? And I think this is a marvellous debate about how careful we need to be about some elements of our history. Otherwise, it does get lost. <coughs> History is being lost all the time. The records go. People Mm. forget. People Mm. die. Others don't understand the significance of documents sometimes. But you've always had a healthy respect. Yeah, well, one of the problems we have, and it's something that obviously interests me, is um, the cost of digitisation is getting cheaper and cheaper. But you have to ask the archivist sometimes to make the call. Do they keep the original? as well as digitise. Because if they kept all originals, we wouldn't have enough space to keep everything. Yep. It did quite... Um, I don't know if you saw the news item the other night, but talking about digitising, they take, got all the stock film out of uh, TVNZ and they're digitising it and they're using the old Avalon Studios in, in the hut in Wellington. Because I, did, I did know that because, of course, I, again, I'm interested in some of this stuff. And you may recall that when we did the unveiling of uh, the Dame Hilda Ross statue yep. in Garden Place last year, we actually used film from the digital archives yes. in Wellington. Yep. They yes. gave us, well, we sought permission to use that. And we were again reminded um, it's just so important that we treasure some of this stuff. And in, in many cases, 
the old film is so fragile, mm-hmm. they really have to digitise, otherwise it just disintegrates. Yeah, and, and Mel was talking about Selwyn Too Good. There was footage of Selwyn Too Good in black and white. Um, trying to get interest out of the, some patron. Um, I don't know where, where the hall was, but yeah, it's, we've, we've got to keep this history and, um, there's a lot online because I've used stuff from, um, Michael Joseph Savage's 1939 speech for World War Two on this, uh, on another radio program. It's, it, it's, it's, it's interesting we're talking about this because when we were doing the research on the Founders Theatre, um, we found out, we hadn't realised, and I think it was Graham Boswell from Snapshot that uh, told us about it, but back in 62-63, Hamilton J.C.'s produced a movie, um, again, to celebrate the city's 50th. And um, uh, we managed to get a copy of this, and it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, with uh, Waikato Rugby about to celebrate their anniversary, there's about 20 minutes on this film of a Mulu parade. <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing. There's also about another 20 minutes of a Miss Waikato, uh, which, of course, you can imagine, uh, uh, brought, down the, brought down the houses, they say. <laughs> these beautiful young women all dressed up, you know. Um, that's a treasure, an absolute treasure, and we're still working on the basis that we want to see that edited so that it's uh, very much more suitable for local consumption and with a voiceover. Uh, Those sorts of things just remind us so much of, firstly, how we've progressed on some things, but then in other ways, we've lost a lot of community spirit. Yeah, this this has got to be saved because... um I, I look at some of the buildings around town. I looked at the old Pasco's building in Garden Place. I was sitting there yesterday afternoon. It's deteriorating. It's dirty. Um, there's, it, it, it doesn't look good for a major New Zealand city. It's interesting. You, I can tell you another story about There are two Pasco buildings. There's the one on the south side of Garden Place, and is that the one you're referring yes, to? Yes, I was, I, was, I was sitting there just doing some notes for the recorder radio show last night, and just sitting there, and I, I saw, because in its heyday, it was one of the brightest buildings in town. Well, the other corner, which is the northern corner yes. of Garden Place, that's also the Pascoe's building. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm uh, also interested in that one, because Steve McLennan yes. um, has been r- responsible for doing that one up. And that's where Horace Moore Jones, the artist, yes. who did the, um, we've got the statue of him in the yes. south end of the town. Oh, brilliant he's, statue, yeah. yeah. He's the guy that uh, died when the Hamilton Hotel burned down. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also painted that famous Gallipoli painting, The Man in the Stonky. Mm. Well, he was the first art master at Hamilton High School, yes. which is why he was in Hamilton at the time. But his art studio was on the top floor of that Pascoe's building. And Steve, uh, I couldn't quite believe that because it was so, you remember it was the Singapore Cafe, Singapore Restaurant? Remember it and well. Steve, yeah. Steve couldn't quite believe it could have been an art studio yeah. until he started the renovations and pulled out some walls and discovered all the skylights. Yep. Sadly, that place is boarded up and uh, people put their posters on on. On, on the doors there. Um, you're talking about the Dame Hilda Ross statue. Sadly, you can't see it at the moment because it's behind a fence as they put up the Christmas tree. So, uh... <laughs> I will not comment. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if the people named were to discover that as a fact, 
in the blue book, if it turns up. Mm. I wonder mm. if casting our minds to the time when they filed along through an entrance, no doubt, perhaps not the entrance that we still see in the building today, but the original building uh, being officially opened gave that opportunity anyone present could record their name. In doing so, I wonder how long they may have supposed that the building that they were seeing opened might last. Well, I think they envisage buildings would last not just 50 years, but maybe 100 years or more. And um, just for all the listeners who may not yet know, we have stopped the demolition of the founders at this stage. And the last council, in its really uh, final moments, resolved that they would look again at the possibility that the founders can be repurposed as a community hub. And that, uh, that, that investigation is currently underway. And, of course, this has in large been prompted by the closure of the Celebrating Age Centre because of maintenance requirements. And this new council is going to have to make some decisions. Will they repair the Celebrating Age Centre? Will they knock it over and rebuild or are there other areas in the town that could have a central city community hub mm -hmm. and they have included the refurbishment of founders as one of those prospects so it's pretty exciting it's oh, exciting in the next few months and could, could uh, the founder theater still hold a show just uh, refurbish the auditorium and say just as a backup to uh, Glowbox over in clawlands uh, still being used for some shows uh, yes, it could be, but I think the general feeling of the uh, theatre sector in the city is that with the new regional theatre, and um, we already have the university facilities, uh, the Clarence Street Theatre, the Meteor and Riverlea, and the feeling is, let's just wait and see, yeah. but it's unlikely that we need another large theatre space. Yep. And right from the outset, um, um, we've said with the founders, we would sooner see it redeveloped as a community hub, which will include some smaller space for town talks, for various performance activities, but not in competition, working with the other theatre groups. And, and of course, uh, I, I was down in that area of Victoria Street last night because but there's too much congestion. The road is narrow in that area. There's no footpath. And, of course, we had the noise of the uh, Samoans and the Tongans celebrating last night, going <laughs> round and round the city, making so much noise, waving flags, and you saw guys and girls hanging out out the cars. So, yeah, no, that end of town is a bit narrow where that uh, theatre is going to be constructed. Oh, but it's nice to have a busy city. <laughs> and isn't it much, much better having happy voices than, um, dare I use the term, ram raids? Yeah. So it's gone three days ago, apparently 60 years since the opening of the Founders. What did Hamiltonians do before the Founders? Well, that's a big, long story you've opened. And um, it's something that I... Uh, you know, I have discussions. People ask me about stuff every now and then. And we've had several theatres um, in the past. Um, there was, if I recall, three different theatres in that south end of the main street where the embassy site is. People may recall the embassy theatre. 
up past London Street used to be the Regent Theatre, which was a movie theatre. Mm-hmm. Then if you come again south down Victoria Street, there was the Theatre Royal, which um, uh, uh, was where Horace Moore Jones gave his talks um, about Gallipoli, which gave people information about those horror fields for the first time because of all of the uh, controls over publicity during the First World War. Now, I was fascinated because he had a full house reported in the Waikato Times for that particular event. And it said there were something like 1,500 people there. And I couldn't believe that Hamilton at the time had about 5,000 people or maybe 10,000 people. And I couldn't believe they had such a big theatre. But I'm told, yes, the Theatre Royal had possibly as many as 2,000 seats. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is. And if you go further down, um, and again, I think it's roughly where the Celebrating Age Centre is, there was yet another theatre there. Mostly these were for um, uh, movies, but they were also used for performances. So this city's always had a wonderfully robust uh, performing arts scene. And I remind people that one of the first things that the military uh, settlers did when they first arrived after the um, uh, Waikato War and the confiscations, they were military settlers, and one of the first things they did, and I'm talking 1864, was set up a, mu- a musical group and a theatre group. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? It speaks for itself. Another side to soldiering. Yeah, no, um, I do recall the story that the Embassy Theatre was used as a live venue because the Scottish entertainer, Kenneth McKellar, appeared at the Embassy Theatre here in Hamilton around 1964. He... Um, Brought with him Jimmy Shand, well known to Scottish country dancing. And Shand was asked by McKellar whether he'd moved to New Zealand. And Shand said, no, too expensive. Um, so, <laughs> so, Interesting, but, isn't it? It, 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 it is, because Hamilton is built on its Scottish, Irish, English heritage. That's right. And many of those first military settlers, of course... Uh, um, joined the military because there was very little other opportunity for them. And I also like the stories, um, and, and we, we could carry on and on and on <laughs> this afternoon, couldn't we? Yeah, we could. Um, it fascinates me also that uh, people forget this was the time of the Civil War in the United States of America as well, in those early 60s. Um, and um, I understand that Von Tensky you know, we've got the street that's no longer going to be named after him in Hamilton. Um, but many of his soldiers were formerly um, soldiers during the American Civil War mm-hmm. and, again, migrated in order to have a new life elsewhere. And one of the theme songs that uh, Von Temsky's soldiers sang when they were marching in the bush was, Now We're Marching on Georgia. <laughs> It's ironic. I mean, isn't that just crazy? <laughs> We're a bloodthirsty race, aren't we? <laughs> oh, well, I just... But it's, it's interesting that soldiers are also ordinary people very often who answer the call to go to arms but then can quickly come back to being ordinary human beings again singing songs. 
It's it's quite interesting too with our Scottish heritage. Um, we've got an Inverness Street where I live now, so in uh, on off Cameron Road. So the name Cameron is also famous here in Hamilton too. That's right. That's right. Yes, and um, my ancestry is also Scottish, and um, I have to say one of my more adventurous overseas trips was when I went back to Hamilton in Scotland. Yes. And I, the, the mayor of Hamilton, as it then was, South Lanarkshire, um, he had come out to visit Hamilton here. And so when I went back to um, uh, do a little bit of my own family whakapapa, um, he escorted me around. And in Lanarkshire, um, a little town called Larnack, or a little village called Larnack, there was, um, I visited the Kirk where my ancestors uh, um, were buried. And I had a photograph of the village, which is exactly the same as it looked today. Something <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah. change. A village which led to some crucial decisions that affected your existence. Yeah, yeah. and can I say... In that particular case, my father's family all came out from Scotland because of the closures. They had worked the land, which was common land, for centuries. But then the, um, we called them the English landlords, came in and fenced it all off and they no longer had livelihoods. And that's often the story that many um, um, New Zealanders do not recall, that so many of the people, including Tunga's Whenua, came to this place in the hope of a better life. Yep. No, no, that was part of my family's whakapapa too, coming out here in the, aboard a sailing ship, coming into Auckland Harbour, stopping off in Mangari, and then coming down to the Waikato. So, yep, no, we've, uh, we've got uh, similar family connections there somewhere, Margaret. Mm, mm, it's interesting, isn't it, when we all look back? Interesting too, that the title given to the new structure, Incorporated Founders. Do you think it was a reflection of those who had spent in New Zealand then perhaps uh, several generations uh, recognising that they had started a whole new process in the home country, whichever it might be, no longer was fulfilling a major part of their lives and behaviour? Yes, I do. And that's an interesting um, another discussion that we have had over the future of the founders. And I'll throw that one into the discussion this afternoon. Um, should we retain the name founders because it has a lot of history? Um, but do we embellish it or expand it by including reference to the arrival of the Tainui Waka? Because that also for them was a foundation of their arrival in New Zealand. We could see if we could only lay hands on the little blue book yeah. whether many Māori... for the week, isn't it? We, we <laughs> could tell by the signatories if there were many Māori present in well, those times, it, 60 it, years it, ago. I'm sure there would have been. And a, a name that immediately comes to my mind is Luke Rangi. And for a number of years, way back in the 60s and 70s, Luke Rangi was a Hamilton City Councillor. Then before that, um, and this links with our uh, uh, story of the founders, um, Kiwa Graham, um, there were many older Hamiltonians, will recall his name, I never met him, 
Um, but he was the one that forged Ngati Homotana, the tribe of Hamilton. And he was part of the uh, um, mainly Franklin community that worked together to build the um, Church of the Latter-day Saints settlement out yes. of Tui Karamea. Yeah. And he was also responsible for the development of Kiri Kiriroa Marae in yes. Hamilton East on the Greenbelt. Yeah. And he is the father of... Fred Graham, widely recognised across New Zealand and further afield as a magnificent sculptor. And that's the grandfather of Brett Graham, who is also a significant um, artist in this country. And we've actually talked with Brett about a concept that he has developed of a beautiful fountain that's like a kitty. And it's... Um, it, 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 to him, reflects the very well-known expression of the small kitty of Fako Otarangi, because Fako Otarangi was the leader of the Tainui Waka. Uh, it was a woman, not a man. Hotaroa was her partner. And it is that kitty that brought the kumara to this part of New Zealand. And we think that would be a wonderful addition. Yeah to the founders uh, um, as part of the lovely statue, lovely uh, uh, fountains that are already there and in need of rehabilitation. Maybe we need an exhibition like the one in the library this week of Māori Wahine, the photographs of Māori Wahine that I saw earlier in the week. It's on display there now. Yes, great. There's so much we can do to celebrate all of those stories. And the Founders, in your view, is not a dead issue yet. Oh, no, it's very, very much alive. We've lost the battle with the pool, it's gone. And, <laughs> but the, the battle of the Founders keeps going on. Oh, Keep. but I think it's a state of peace at the moment with optimism and a realisation that um, uh, uh, recycling... <laughs> <laughs> is a very, very good way to go in the 21st century. Hey, hey, maybe the, maybe the new council are finally listening to the people of who elected them. Well, we hope so. <laughs> Optimist. A community hope. Hmm. Yes. Hey, Margaret, happy Christmas to you if we don't speak to you before the end of the year. It's getting that close again. And, um, oh, I know. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? Where's the year gone? <laughs> Cheers. So, yeah, happy Christmas to everybody. It's and a pleasure. Hey, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay. My Bye. former Hamilton Mayor and community, what could we call community icon, Margaret Evans? And an eternal optimist. <sighs> yeah, right. There is a street in Hamilton East called Clyde Street. Well, it's named after an area in Glasgow. The Song of the Clyde, the late Kenneth McKellar. Sing of a river, I'm happy beside. The song that I sing is a song of the Clyde. Of all Scottish rivers, it's dearest to me. It flows from land hills all the way to the sea. It borders the orchards of Lanark so fair Meanders through meadows with sheep grazing there But from Glasgow to Greenock in towns on each side The hammer's ding-dong is the song of the Clyde Oh, the river Clyde, the wonderful Clyde The name of it fills me and fills me with pride 
and I'm satisfied. But hear me be tired. The sweetest of songs is the song of the Clyde. Imagine we've left Craig and Doran behind, and wind happy yachts by Kilcreggan we find. At Kernan, Dunoon, and in Ellen we stay. Then Scotland's Madeira, that's Rothsey, they say. Or maybe by fairly or logs we will go. Or over to Milkop, that thrills people so. Maybe journey to Arran, it can't be denied. Those scenes all belong to the song of the Clyde. Oh, the river Clyde, the wonderful Clyde. The name of it thrills me and fills me with pride. And I'm satisfied, whatever may be kind. The sweetest of songs is the song of the Clyde. Doon at the Brummel, all they're going doon the water for the fair. There's Bob and Mary on the Govan ferry, wishing jet propulsion could be there. There's steamers cruising, and there's buddies snoozing, and there's laddies fishing frae the pier. And Pospis Fyam, very near expiring as he rows a boat frae there to here. With eyes a flashing, it is boat it's smashing to be walking daily on the prom. And me and Evelyn are in seventh heaven as they stroll along with Dick and Tom. And the button rock to every gene and jock extends a welcome that is high and wide. Seems to know that they are on their homeward way to hear the song of the Clyde. Oh, the name of Clyde, the wonderful Clyde. The name of it fills me and fills me with pride. And I'm satisfied, whatever may be tried. The sweetest of songs is the song of the Clyde. The sweetest of songs is the song of Song of the Clyde, the late Kenneth McKellar from around about 1959. It's 14 to 2. Dwayne Porter, good afternoon, sir. Yeah, good afternoon. How is it going? Um, very, very good. Hey, um, last week there was a, um, a cyclist uh, was riding his push bike across um, outside by the police station. Yes. The police had the signs and everything going and this person decided to knock the way and um, yeah the old cops um, hit him and went over the bonnet and picked himself up and carried on oh yeah the, the, these stories that are coming out that are you telling week after week and um, yeah it's I'm just I, I'm these, these people they ride round do you know what annoys me those Electronic bicycles that they've got on the street now. Nearly got run over um, the other day by one of them. Some idiot on one of them. Get rid of them, the whole scooters and bicycles. Well, I pushed the guy off the scooter the other day. (laughs) Good on you, mate. And, um, yeah, he wasn't happy about it, but, you know, riding straight towards me. So, you know, there's one way to do is just push them off. (laughs) Did he get up and yell and scream at you? Nope. Good on you. Um, yeah. yeah, so, you know, hey, people, if you see a cop siren going and pulling out of the police station, slow down and let them go past. Um, the worst part is up by the courthouse on that roundabout. Yes. Um, council need to put, like, a, an emergency lane in there 
for the fire services, ambulances and all that. Um, not, you know, you see people parking their cars in that part of the bus thing. Uh, yes. That's a clear way. You know, you're not supposed to park in the clear way. Yeah. Well, um, la- last night with the Tongans and the Samoans celebrating, there were a lot of annoyed people behind them because these, these guys would stop and blow whistles and put their stereos on and guys getting out of the cars and dancing in the street. It really annoyed some of the drivers last night. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but, you know, you've got to realise that, you know, if it's an emergency service loan, it's an emergency service loan. Yep. And, you know, you need to, like, to pull over. You know, like, this guy, he just must have ignored the cops. Um, sorry, he must have his headphones full up noise listen to the Skeeto Blaster. <laughs> there's, a, there's what they call Alexa school, and they've got take your... I, I think they should ban people wearing headphones um, in cars and um, and turn their make make it an offence to have your stereo going full decibels. Um, yeah. Uh, also, you know, like hey, you know, it's just that you know the cops and them are out there doing a the job. The cops were on their way to do a job till they got stood down. Yep. Yeah. No. My all best to the police because they they it is a tough job in a very very tough city where drugs and alcohol, as Stephen said, it's um it's becoming it's like becoming co- like COVID a pandemic. So yeah. No. If you if you got a hangover today, I have no sympathy for you. Oh, I agree. You know, Christmas is coming up soon, yeah. so you know you expect to have. Um, have a point or two, but yeah. not too many points. Anyway, say th- hey, thank you, Dwayne. Hey, Trevor is coming up next here at uh, Free FM eighty nine point zero. Well, talk about the Founders Theatre back in about nineteen sixty six. My late father and I were sitting in the Founders Theatre watching this guy. I've just come down from the Isle of Skye I'm no early big and I'm awful shy And the lassies shout when I go by Donald fares you through his arse Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low Through the streets and my kick I'll go All the lassies say hello Donald fares you through his arse A lassie took me to a ball And it was slippery in the hall And I was feared that I would fall For I had me on my let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low Through the streets in my kick I'll go All the lassies say hello Donald, where's your bruisers? Now I went down to London town And I had some fun in the underground The ladies turned their heads around Saying, Donald, where are your trousers? Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low Through the streets in my kick I'll go All the lassies say Everyone will let them catch me if they can You can't take the bricks up a hill and mar And I don't wear the cruisers Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low Through the streets and make it I'll go All the lassies say hello Donald, where's your cruisers? Donald, where's your cruisers?
Jesus. Donald, where's your true Hochwell? That's the way we sing the song in Scotland. But of course, the song might have more international appeal, sung something like this. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Yes, the late Andy Stewart here at the Founders Seat around 1966. I was there with me, now deceased father, and Donald, where's your trousers? I don't know if uh, Trevor's got any Scottish blood in him. Uh, no, I'm afraid not. I'm, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't have that, actually. Uh, I've got... Welsh and French. Oh, can you speak French? Uh, Parlez-vous Francois. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, we've been talking about drugs and alcohol. We've been talking about dancing Samoans and Tongans in the city last night. Did they come near you? Oh, I heard the odd ones going by, but uh, you get so used to unusual sounds that you just sort of take it as everyday events. Anyway, what are you commenting on today? Well, I was watching TV the other day about the president's wife, Obama. Yes. How she was struggling with uh, depression during the lockdown and all this sort of thing. And I thought, well, I couldn't find any empathy for her and that her dilemma through the lockdown. My empathy would be for the people that had a small business uh, or even a large business come to that. They can't trade, no income. The business is on the verge of collapse and closing down. And no income coming in, that means I can't pay rent or mortgages, can't pay their power, can't pay for their car to run, and even food. You, you, on the verge of being homeless. You begin to wonder what advice did the ministers really get from their highly paid um, multi-sum salary. Um, did Ashley Bloomfield really do a good job? Well, I'm not sure, but it's interesting you just mentioned about the politicians. I remember them saying in the relatively early stages of lockdown that they're going to take a pay cut uh, in support of all the other people that are suffering that they're going to do their bit and have a pay cut. But I don't know if that ever got off the ground. Yeah, we, we just we just don't know when the um, we will find out when they finally open the books how much money this government is spending on consultants, money oh, money yeah. spending for uh, Jacinda Ardern to travel around the world. Where is she now in Vietnam? Or um, yeah, and uh, it's quite interesting to watch old Justin Trudeau having been got at by the Chinese leader. Oh, yeah. He couldn't even get a word in. <laughs> and it was, it was being translated. Yeah, no. It's an evil empire in China, I'm sorry. sorry oh, it's, it's a terrible world we're living in. So you got that in Russia and Ukraine, fading Ukraine. Uh, I mean, all this going on and now they're talking about putting somebody on the moon again and then setting up a base on the moon to go to Mars. Well, don't they realise how long it's going to take the, to get to Mars? It'll be a one-way trip. They'll never be able to come back. Well, the, the, and that the, oxygen won't last very long up there. Well, the, the uh, last time, um, didn't it take three takes for that rocket to get off the ground? Oh, yeah, I mean, they've been there, done that. They've been on the moon. Let's move on, look after our own planet. 
the most beautiful planet in the solar system, probably in the whole galaxy even, and enjoy what we've got. We've got nice oxygen we can breathe and and all this. We don't have to have oxygen supplied to live and all this sort of thing. And it's a beautiful planet. Let's put all that money into saving it. Hey, time is up. We've got to go out of here and Harmony Waikato is next. Here at Free FM 89.0, let's play a New Zealand song sung by the one and only Bing Crosby. It's called Now is the Hours. We take you out till 2 o'clock. This is a beautiful rendition of a New Zealand flavoured song. Now is the hour when we must say goodbye. for listening to this free fm podcast if you want to hear more content like this you can support free fm via patreon head to patreon.com slash free fm 89 to find out more